this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. Verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by men, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Amen. I just read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. May the, uh, 16 through 22, may the Lord have a blessing to the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his will. Holy Amen. word. to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father and our God, which are in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning with a reasonable portion of our health and our strength and closing our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the one that are present, and we pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that had the desire to be here but for some reason wasn't able to be. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that you have answered in the past, and we just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue answering in the future. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for providing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation, and financial means. Most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your Son, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory, came to earth, lived, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day according to the Scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that he shed, that he purchased the church that we are a member of. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for bringing us out of darkness and bringing us into your marvelous light. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's traveling and the one that will be traveling. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to and from their destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's working on the front line. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you continue blessing them with the things you know they stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you look down and bless them with the things you know they stand in need of according to your will. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for every church door open, every person proclaiming your word this morning, Heavenly Father. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's walking in darkness. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll see the light and come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We also pray for our delinquent members. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll come back and repent before it's everlasting too late. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the bereaved family all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will comfort those families in the way, Heavenly Father, 
but only you know how. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for your word, which is our guideline from earth to glory. And Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment bar. We pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue strengthening us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. Pray, Heavenly Father, for the congregation here at Inglewood Church of Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue blessing us with the thing. Heavenly Father, you know we stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, for our new converts. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they'll continue coming and learning more of your word. And we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper as he bring us the bread of life. Pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen, but though we'll listen toward eternity, because these will be eternal words he will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, but doers of your word. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll continue loving each other more and more each day. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll become a better Christian today than we were yesterday. Heavenly Father, we just pray that this witcher service will be done decent and in order. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey, said our last prayer, and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son and our Savior Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Church, I'm going to ask you to place your markers at page, pages uh, 11 in our Sacred Selection Songbooks for the Song of Invitation. And for our next song selection, we'll let us know pages 712. Pages 712. Jesus is coming soon. <clears throat> Once again, pages 12, 712. If I'll find that, I'll sing together. Troublesome times are here, filling me with heart with fear. Freedom we all, oh dear, now is that stay. Humbling your heart. To God, save it from chastening rock. Seek the way pilgrims try. Christians are But Jesus is, Jesus is coming soon. Morning or night or noon. Many will meet their dooms. Trumpets will sound. And all that are dead shall rise. Righteous meet in the sky. Go and where no one dies, heaven we're found. Love us so many go, losing their homes all go. This in God's word is told, evils abound. When these times come to pass, nearing the end at last, it will come very fast, trumpets will sound. My Jesus, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their dooms, trumpets will sound. 
and all that are dead shall rise. Righteous meet in the sky, going where no one dies, heaven we're found. Trouble will soon be your happy forevermore. When we meet on that shore, free from all care, rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye. Home with the den will fly, glory to share. My Jesus, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. And all that are dead shall rise, righteous meet in the sky. Only the Lord undies, heaven we're bound. My Jesus, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. And all that are dead shall rise, righteous meet in the sky, going where no one dies, heaven we're bound. Amen. Let us know pages 19 in our Sacred Selection Songbooks. <clears throat> pages 19, Sacred Selection Songbooks. Not made with hands. Let's all find out a scene together. Christ went a building to prepare, not made with hands, until be decked with jewels, where not made with hands. I know, I know, I have another building. I know, I know. It's not made with hand. Put on your armor of your God. Not made with hand. And take the path the captains try. Not made with hand. I know, I know, I have another building. I know, I know. It's not made with hand. With chill of faith, he fired a foe. Not made with hand. Until you hear the trumpet blow. Not made with hand. I know, I know, I have another feeling. I know, I know. Amen. I know I have another building, not made with hands. The song doesn't include eternal in the heavens, uh, but that's where the building is made. 
I'm so thankful to God that we have an opportunity to sing such a song with such an aspiration that one day, if we remain faithful unto death, that we can make heaven our home. I remember John says in John 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. I, I like that verse. No matter what's going on in life, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, he said he would have told us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I shall come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And so I know there's another place not made with hands. Uh, Jesus says that one of the disciples asked Jesus, rather, Lord, how shall we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. No man uh, cometh unto the Father but by me. I know I have another building, and it's not made with hands. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, surely God has blessed us to be able to rise up out of our beds of slumber, to be able to come out and to once again and gather together in this place, uh, that we may worship him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, this is a place that we gather together as the Lord's church. The church comes to worship. Amen. And so we come to worship, and we come to worship to give God the praise, the honor, uh, and the glory for all that he has done. Uh, surely after six days of wrestling with the issues of the world, uh, on the Lord's Day, on the first day of the week, there ought to be a time where we can come together and just let our mind be at peace because we're with the Lord today. Amen. Amen. I want to call your attention very quickly to the book of Corinthians as was read in your hearing uh, for the scripture reading. As we read through 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we uh, began reading at around verse number 12. I want to call your attention to that text as we uh, began to once again uh, bring together the, uh, the thoughts that we began to speak about at the beginning of this new year. It's hard to believe that it's already April and we just started talking about this new year. Amen. But we are going to return back uh, after the festivities of, of last Lord's Day with all of the the uh, uh, Easter Sunday rhetoric uh, that is out there. Uh, we are now returning back to our primary thoughts as we look at the, the intersection of the ark, the tabernacle, the temple, the church, uh, and the binding glue of it all, which is uh, the covenant. Uh, and so we're going to return back to that, and we have been dealing with the ark, and we, we recognize that in Genesis chapter 9 that we are uh, in that place where uh, Noah and the other seven souls, eight total, uh, were in the ark, uh, and now God, is, if you will, has uh, uh, instructed them to, uh, to exit the ark and to go forth uh, and to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, and so the, those seven souls, or those eight souls in total, rather, were given the responsibility to replenish the earth, and when he says replenish the earth, uh, the animals would do their parts, and uh, their part rather, in, in replenishing the animal population. But it was surely up to Noah and the other seven souls, his three sons and uh, his, their three wives and his wife, uh, to replenish the earth. And they were to replenish the earth with something that God found that was lacking uh, prior, if you will, to uh, to the uh, to the coming of the flood and then the exiting uh, of the ark. One of the things we require to we we are required to remember is is why the ark came about in the first place. What was the uh, the intent of the ark? Uh, what was the purpose of it? Uh, and 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 as we look at that intent and that purpose, we 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 we, we should recall that uh, there's something very important 
uh, about the uh, the the uh, uh, the predisposition of God, how God, if you will, uh, conducts Himself. One of the uh, uh, primary uh, characteristics and traits of God uh, that we can uh, hold on to when we see uh, the ark and surely the uh, the commonality between the tabernacle, the temple, and the and the church. Uh, and that is that God is a God, if you will, of, of, of form. He's a God that is uh, one that uh, approves of patterns. Uh, he is a God that is, if in fact, uh, one who uh, uh, makes it clear uh, concerning uh, what his desires are when it comes to structure uh, and pattern. Uh, even in the lives of men, when it comes to our thinking, our belief, and how we uh, uh, imagine in our hearts and how we uh, begin to let those imaginations become manifested in our lives. God is a God of patterns. He's a God of form. Uh, and surely, when we look at the antediluvian period, the time before the flood, we find that the ark became necessary because God saw that the pattern that he desired, the form of man that he desired, uh, had become corrupted. Amen. It had become corrupted, and it became corrupted because of the influences of Satan. It had become corrupted. And I mean, you know, there, there's, a, uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, there could be a lot of back and forth uh, about that, but I think it, a, a commonality, and I think that a, a common agreement, if you will, among all, would know that uh, the, the purpose of the ark was to deliver uh, those who God believed, if you will, and God had identified as having grace and finding favor, even to the extent that uh, 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 God uh, saved Noah and the other seven souls, was to save them from a, 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 a condition of a people that uh, had become completely corrupted uh, uh, by the pattern of Satan as opposed to the pattern of God. Uh, and, and so that 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 is the, the 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 underlying purpose. And so what you what you see is that God creates a new pattern. In that, uh, He restores that relationship that He desired to have with Adam and Eve from the beginning. He restores that relationship because what He does is remember before they got into the ark, before Noah even started building the ark. We already read these scriptures. This is a point of reference and recall. You remember that God said he would create his covenant or he would make his covenant with Noah. In other words, that which was spoken to Adam and Eve from the beginning in, 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 in that the faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That was a covenant relationship that God desired to have with Adam and Eve. They were to obey that which God had given them to obey. They did not obey that and so Satan comes in and creates the, the chaos, if you will, that eventually leads uh, to, the, to the destruction uh, of the people before the ark. Now, this, 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 this chaos that's created, it leads to the point where the imagination, remember the text, the imagination of man was evil continually. The pattern was broken. The form was broken. The structure was broken. It was a spiritual concept. It was a, a, a relationship that, 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 that God enjoyed from the very beginning. Because we remember God said when he created all things, you got to remember this. Don't, don't, don't let Satan steal your joy. You know, we know that when God created man, he created them good. Amen. Everything was good. When he created the woman, he said it was very good. Uh, so this wasn't about God. This was about Satan. Satan creeps in, man has free will, 
Satan creeps in and he, he interjects something into the pattern that God had put in place, which is called sin. And when sin was interjected, it destroyed, if you will, the, 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 the form and the pattern that God desired to have with man. Because God says, I will not save man in their sin. I'm not going to save man in their sin. Amen. And so the pattern was, inter it was disrupted by the, the, the infusion of sin. And what was the sin that, uh, that Satan interjected? Amen. And you got to go back to the beginning because sometimes with the, 30, with the 66 books that we read from Genesis to Revelations, all the different wonderful stories and events that have occurred that got us to the cross of Christ and then to the church. And eventually, as the book of eschatology and Revelations helps us understand one day heaven's glory, all of that in between becomes, it brings in a lot of noise as we lose, if you will, our, our handle on what created this event, what was the causation of this event, and what is the ultimate outcome. And the ultimate outcome is to bring us back into the relationship that we had with God from the beginning. And that is in heaven's glory. And notice that Jesus says in each of the Gospels, if you will, whether you read the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or whether you read John, the fourth Gospel, or even if you read what has been called the fifth Gospel, you read about Isaiah. What you find is that Jesus says one thing, and it's very consistent. No sin will enter into heaven's glory. Because that is what disrupted the pattern. That's what disrupted the form. And in that, in that we find God, through the covenant relationship, getting man to come back to the form of doctrine, that pattern of doctrine, which is able to save his soul. Because Satan interrupted it. Satan caused, if you will, confusion to come into the place. And when that confusion came into the place, God implemented a process whereby the innocent would die for the guilty. Amen. Because remember, only the innocent is worthy to be accepted before God. And when God's in that, in, that, in that animal sacrifice, and even in the ultimate sacrifice, which is in the form of Christ, causes the animal's blood to be shed in the Garden of Eden, and he covers up Adam and Eve, if you will, because now their sin is before them. He covers it up with the innocent blood of the animal, and eventually that innocent blood would be manifested, if you will, in the form of the blood of Christ on the cross. And so we find that God is a, form of, uh, is, a, is a God of pattern. He's a God, if you will, of form. He's a God of structure. And that God of form, pattern, and structure is carried out through the entire epistle. He builds the ark. Noah physically builds it. But it is God who spiritually built it. Because it is God who told Noah how to build the ark. Not only how to build the ark, but what to make it out of. Not only how and what to make it out of, but what to put in it. And how to conduct themselves while they were in it. Because he says, I'm going to make my covenant with you. That covenant meant that there was an agreement between God and those who would be occupants of the ark. We find ourselves in with the thought. And that thought goes back to the why the ark was necessary in the first place. And when we get back to that, we talk about something we began to unfold last Lord's Day, the Christian scheme. How does man think about his life? How do we as Christians think about our lives? Well, God had it known and made it known to Noah that God had expectations. 
There's no reason to cut, to, to, to design and to develop a covenant if there are no expectations. Amen. Amen. If it's a free-for-all, then why put something in writing? That becomes frivolous. It's not, it's not necessary. But if you're trying to, and not trying in, from the standpoint of God, but if in, 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 in God's expectation to put forth, if you will, a certain pattern, a certain lifestyle, a certain belief system, a certain way to live, and that, uh, that soul will conduct itself in that way, and one day, if it has conducted itself worthily, it will be saved. There's no reason for a covenant if you want everybody to do whatever they want to do. There's no reason for a covenant. If you want anybody and everybody to get a part of your will, don't write one. Amen. The government has well been positioned to divide up your stuff in the way that it wants without your help. But if you want it to go to a certain place or a certain person, you want it to be handled in a certain way, what do you do? You write up a wheel. Amen. Amen. The covenant was written and designed so that man could follow it in such a way that God had designed it to be followed. And man had a choice. Man could choose to follow it or they could choose to reject it. But in either case, whatever choice they made, they would be judged by what was written in the covenant. And so we find ourselves with this idea then that when it comes to the Christian schema, it's not something that can be subjective. In other words, it can't be based on how you feel. Oh, amen. How do we know that? Because they were doing what they wanted to do before the flood based on how they felt. How did that work out? Didn't work out too well, did it? The flood came. Amen. The flood came and destroyed them. Because the Bible says that the imaginations of their heart, their own heart, their subjective imagination was evil continually. They chose to live the way that they lived. They chose that. Now surely the influence of Satan is there in that his, 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 his lies that led to the Adam and Eve being expelled uh, from the garden and then being able to have to till from the ground and, 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 and if you will, uh, provide for themselves uh, through the things that God had already offered, they would have to then, if you will, suffer through that physical dying because prior to the physical, prior to that, they would live forever by eating from the tree of life. But then when God expelled them from the garden, they were no longer to have access to the tree of life and so they began to physically die. But here's the interesting thing. By them sinning, they were already spiritually dead. Amen. They were already spiritually dead because they had sinned against God. God restored the relationship in that he gave the innocent animal. But anybody who continued to practice those things that were of Satan, those things which were against God and contrary to God's will, they would eventually, if you will, be identified as those who thought in their imaginations of their heart it was continually evil. Satan is evil. And so they followed after the things that were pleasing of Satan more than those things that were pleasing to God. The subjective idea of Christianity is, is, is filled with individuals who would, divide, who would decide and to, and to determine and to design things that are not according to the covenant. And you say, well, why would they do such a thing? Because evil is still in the world. 
And Satan's whole purpose is to keep people from being saved. In order to keep you from being saved, he has to keep you from following the covenant. Amen. He didn't come in there and, and, and kidnap Eve. He didn't come and lock her up somewhere. Amen. He didn't reward her or give her some type of material possessions. What did Satan do? Satan interjected something that was not part of God's covenant. Thou shall not surely die. That's all he said. And he let the, he let the imaginations of her heart take on the rest. Amen. She looked upon the fruit. All this time you've been in the garden. All this time you've been eating of the, uh, of the, of the various things that God uh, blessed you to have. Except for that which was in the, midst of God, in the midst of the garden, the knowledge of good and evil. That was the only thing that God in his covenant with Adam and Eve uh, excluded from their possession. And, and, and based on what God has given us in his word at his time when he got ready. He would acknowledge and gave them whatever he wanted them to have from, that, uh, from the tree. But it wasn't that time. It was on God's time when he delivers what he wants to deliver. Not on your time. But then she looks at the garden. All of a sudden when Satan comes along and says, if you will, that, that, that if, if you eat of the tree, thou shalt not surely die. All of a sudden now she looks at the tree and says, it's good for, it's good for food. After all this time in the garden. All it takes is for Satan to interject something into your mind. Amen. You let wickedness come into your mind, and then the behavior of your mind will take care of its own. And if it, and it and look, and if it is, if you will, subject to that type of influence, uh, if you will, and that type of projection through the wickedness of life, or whatever is in your mind will be enhanced. And if your mind is already wicked, it will become exceedingly wicked. Amen. Amen. And so we find the children of God. Frolicking in the antediluvian period, they didn't think about God. They didn't care anything about God. Their minds, their imaginations were continually evil. So what does God do? God brings to their remembrance his pattern, his form, his doctrine. In what way? to be honored, how God was to be worshipped, Noah brings back the pattern. For what purpose? To change the schema that had been developed from evil and from wickedness. And this is not something that is mysterious, but it is very much factual. We often quote the scripture in Romans 12, but hopefully this now gives us a better application. Hopefully more a better application, more uh, at least, uh, let's say, a more comprehensive understanding of this passage of scripture. When Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, when, 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 when Paul writes to the church at Rome and he says, be not conformed to this world, well, what world do you think he's talking about? It's not not 
talking about that which is contrary to God. Not to that which is in agreement with God. You don't throw the baby out with the bath water. He's talking about that which is unleavened. The le that which is unleavened and that which is right before God, you keep, you hold on to it. But that which has leaven in it, get it out. Amen. Get it out. So you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. When he talks about be not conformed to this world, he's talking about don't be conformed to those things which are wicked. Don't conform to those practices of Satan. But be ye transformed. Why, how so? By the renewing of your mind. Wait a minute now. You mean to tell me that I have to think differently? I have to change the way that I perceive things? And the way that I perceive things after the cross are different or is different from the way that I perceive things before the cross? Yes. You see things different. When Noah entered into that ark, there was not only a transition taking place, there was a transformation taking place. Noah was of that world. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He was a preacher of righteousness. He chose to be different in the midst of a wicked world. He chose to be different. It didn't change him in terms of his physicality. He changed in the sense of his mind, his belief and trust, faith, confidence, love, reverence of God. He returned to the pattern that God desired. And surely I would even say not only did he return to it, but there are implications where we can see that Noah came from a lineage of men who never even left God. They may have had challenges, but they didn't leave God. And Noah came through that lineage. And so Noah, if you will, if you will, he, that's how Noah found grace because God saw within him the possibility, if you will, that he would serve God and do his commandments Amen. to keep his covenant, if you will. And so Noah did not live to the world to create his own subjective idea of how he should be with God. Noah looked to the covenant. Noah looked to the relationship that, uh, that, that God had put forward. And by having that in, his, in, in, in the forefront of his mind, Noah began, if you will, to find that favor and that grace in the eyes of God. And I dare say to you that even though we're back in the ark, this is not unlike what God sees in the church. It is the renewing of our minds. It is how we see the world differently. Not through the lens of wickedness and evil, but through the lens of righteousness. How do you know this? Because the scripture helps us to understand it. In Matthew 6 and 33, when Jesus says, Seek ye first. Seek him where? Seek him how? The word says, Well, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. 
And he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you see there that God places in the, the, the comparison and contrast the seeking of the right, his righteousness, comparing to seeking those things which are of the world. First John chapter 2 and verse number 15 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world is the lust of the eye and the pride of life. He lets us know that the things that are in the world is not your focus. It is The righteousness of God. And it cannot be done based on how you want to do it. It can only be done based on the pattern. It can only be based on the form that God has put forward. Let me show you something very quickly here, and we'll get back to the, the, this idea of subjectivity. But if you look at Romans chapter 6, if you will, look at Romans chapter 6. If you have your, your iPhone, make sure it's not on, uh, not on TikTok, but it's on, the, it's on Romans chapter 6. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bible in your hand, make sure you're not just having it in your hand. Make sure you open it. Okay, Romans chapter 6. Now, we're in Washington. We've got plenty of time to look at what you do on TikTok. In Romans chapter 6, we find ourselves when God talks about that form and that structure. In Romans chapter 6, if you drop down, if you will, uh, uh, verse number uh, 13, look what he says, if you will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just drop down verse number uh, 11. In Romans 6 and verse number 11, look what he says. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead. Indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Noah and all those who were in the antediluvian period, uh, if you will, were, 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 were dead in sin. Because they had continual evil predispositions of mind and character. And they died in sin, in physical Noah found grace because he was different spiritually. And look what he says. The Bible says, he goes on and says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Well, how does sin reign? Reign just comes from another word that means dominion. How does sin reign in your mortal bodies? That means that overcome the issues of sin. It needs some help. Amen. How do you not let it rain? It needs, it needs, it needs to, it needs to, the, the, the spirit needs to be able to overcome the weaknesses of sin. When even when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he made it clear to the disciples. He said, look, uh, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. The challenges of life. Whatever the body is allowed to do will condemn or save the spirit. He goes on and says, let it not rain. It rains in your spiritual heart. Let it not rain. You need to defrock it. You need to bring it down. That ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of what? Unrighteousness unto sin. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. To get people to change. To give them an opportunity to remind them of the pattern and the form 
that God desired in order that they might be saved. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And then he says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Now here the law is referencing to the law of Judaism. But don't be limited to that understanding when it comes to the various laws that we wrestle with when it comes to our lives in humanity. Romans chapter 8 says, there is now therefore no condemnation to them who, if you will, uh, follow after the spirit and not after the law. And then it talks about the law of sin and death. Well, the law of sin and death was about the manifestation of what we do in our flesh. Amen. And what we did in our flesh was condemned by the law. And what was condemned by the law, whether it was the law of Moses or whether it is the law of Christ, what it is that we do in our flesh is condemned by the law. But if we let our flesh continue to do what it wants to do, those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, there's no condemnation for them who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. They will be saved. But he goes on in Romans 6, he goes on and says, look, when you don't let, uh, when you, when you, you, you uh, for sin shall not have dominion over you, ye are not under the law, but under grace. Verse number 15, what then? Shall we be, shall we then, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. In other words, just because we're under grace, uh, it doesn't mean somehow that, 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 that we can just do whatever we want to do. Because even being under grace, we're still under the law of God. We think we can do whatever we want to do and we're going to go to heaven anyhow. But that's not how it works. He is still a God of form. He's a God of pattern. He goes on and says, look, in Romans 16, Romans 6 and 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. This sounds like the beginning. It sounds like Genesis. Because who did Eve and Adam yield themselves to? They yielded themselves to Satan. They obeyed what Satan wanted to be done, as opposed to obeying what God wanted to be done. They yielded themselves unto sin, unto death, rather than yielding themselves unto righteousness. And what did God say to them? The day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And what did they do? Satan comes in, interjects into God's path. This little thought the covenant he interjects, thou shalt not surely die. And 
three words, I mean three letters in one word. Thou shall not surely die. Just, just, just three, three letters change the whole schema of Adam and Eve. They chose sin unto death rather than following after obedience unto righteousness. So Noah comes back in. What is he coming back in with? Righteousness. Got to bring the pattern back. Got to bring the schema of God back into place. And that's why we are preachers of righteousness. Because only that can save the soul. Anything other, and I'm going to say it very clearly, anything other than that will lead to sin and to death. I wish I had time to go to Galatians this morning, but I, not right here. We'll see what happens. But look what he says. He goes on in Romans 6, and he says, look, in verse number 17, but God be thanked. I, I love Paul. Paul knows exactly where to go. Paul says, but God be thanked. Lord, have mercy. You know what? Adam and Eve had a lot of thanking to do. Because if God chose, he could have just destroyed everybody and just ended that and started all over again. Lord have mercy. Yes, he could have, but he didn't because God has, uh, if you will, his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. Even as a heaven is high above the earth, are his thoughts from our thoughts and his ways from our ways. God has a plan. He's had a plan even before the foundation of the world. He knew what Satan was going to do. God had a plan to save souls of men. And that that, that plan included to return them to righteousness. Paul says in Romans 1 and 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith for it is written the just shall live by faith when one chooses to believe the word of God it is through that belief of God's word that covenant that righteousness is now being infused and in, injected back into that individual's life even look what he says for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe do you not know that one of the most powerful tools that the devil uses to destroy the soul is to keep men from believing that there is a God if I can keep them from believing that there's a God then I got them because there's nothing there's nowhere to go after that if you don't believe that there's a God, then, then where do you go? How do you be saved? You cannot be saved. You cannot be saved on your own, certainly. And the devil is not in this, in this whole thing to save you. The devil knows where he's going. Amen. Newsflash. The devil believes in God, but he doesn't want you to believe in him. Amen. You didn't know that, did you? In James chapter 2, where the Bible says that the devil believes and trembles, the devil knows where he's going. There's no question. What he's trying to do is get you not to believe that there's a God. Because if you believe that there's no God, then you know, he knows you cannot be saved. Lord have mercy. The imagination of their heart was wicked continually, evil. 
They no longer wanted to follow after what God had said. They did not want to give God in their minds. They didn't want to give God um, the reverence that he is due. And so the devil had them. Continually evil, God says. Continually evil. And so God decided to destroy the world and save the eight souls. Back in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 17, but God be thanked. That ye were the servants of sin. You so, so, so look, the wonderful thing about the Christian scheme is that nobody has any reason to boast. Because we all came from the same world. different streets and byways and highways but 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 you were coming from the same place as everybody else that's why Romans 3:23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God nobody has any reason to boast from the pulpit to the pew amen, amen. we're all trying to make our way to heaven amen, amen. and the only way that we're gonna make it is to hold on to the righteousness that God has infused in our lives through the covenant of God but nevertheless we are all servants of sin our spirits weren't strong enough to overcome the influences of our flesh. But certainly the laws of the world that Satan has uh, corrupted with wickedness was not going to strengthen our spirit. Don't you know that the world cannot strengthen your spirit? Amen. There's nothing of the world that can strengthen your spirit. I don't care how many books you read on the New York Times bestseller list. I don't care how many classes of psychology you may take. How many classes of humanism you might take, theology you might take. Anything that is of the world is not there to, 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 to strengthen your spirit. It's meant to tear you down. Only God's word can strengthen your spirit. And that's why God tells the devil, in the form of Christ, he does. When you remember when Mark and Matthew restored Jesus being in the wilderness, as he had been Satan, and Satan was tempting him to eat of the world. Do you realize that is the conversation here? He's, he, he's tempting Jesus. He's testing Jesus. He's trying Jesus with all the things that are of the world, riches and wealth. His, 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 his uh, belief system and, and thoughts concerning God, it would pain him to stop serving God and to serve Satan. That's the whole conversation of the temptation of Christ. The whole conversation about Jesus being taken to the, to the pinnacle of the temple and, 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 he, and, he, and he says, look, he says, if any of you have power, the son of God, cast thyself down. He's tempting Jesus to put God the Father into question. He wants him to question God. Amen. And Jesus said, look, I don't have to question the Father. Jesus said, it's also written. Amen. Amen. He said, you got to be quick with Satan. He's your temptation. He's going to test you. Oh, you do this, you think you this. Then, then, then do this and see what happens. And see if God says, let me tell you something. God ain't never 
told you to run off and do something stupid to see if he's going to respond. Amen. Amen. Gravity takes over. And in case you didn't know, gravity wasn't something that was created by man. Gravity was something that was created by God. If you jump from a, a, a bridge, there's only one direction you're going. I have faith that whatever it is that God is desiring for me to have, that God will deliver it unto me. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let God be true and every man a liar, especially to Satan who was alive from the beginning. But I'm gonna let God be true. My trust and my hope is and my faith is going to be in God. And so since God, since the words of God says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, I'm gonna ignore what you're trying to get me to do, and I'm gonna let God do what he does. And if it is that I have to suffer through what I'm suffering, God is able to make a way out. There's a reason for me going through what I'm going through. But I'm not going to tempt him. He also said to him, that is to Jesus. Because this is the ultimate end. All of these conversations, all of these temptations. preposition that helps you to create doubt if thou be the son of God right Satan is smooth he wants you to doubt who God is and who you are if thou be the son of God this is subjectivism if thou be the son of God command that these stones be made bread if thou be the son of God I want you to doubt who you are Jesus says unto him, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Jesus turns back to what? He turns back to the word of God, which means that he turns back to the covenant of God. He, changed, he turns back to that which is, which, is, which is based on God's direction as opposed to Satan's direction. And that's why John 12, 48 says, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has one that judges him. For the words that I'm I have spoken the same are going to judge you in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but that which God the Father that he has gave me to speak, that is what he spoke. He turns people back to the word of God. He turns us back to the word of God. God and it is the word of God that needs to be in our heart in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 17 I'll read it again but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin but ye have obeyed from the heart from what heart from this heart not from this heart from this heart you've changed your schema you have changed how you think how you process the things of the world Almost as if Philippians chapter 2 should just be ringing in your ears. 
When Paul writes to the church of Philippi and he says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. You got to have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ was about being obedient unto God. Being obedient to his word. But ye have obeyed, Paul writes to us in Romans 6 and 17. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form, that pattern, that form, that pattern of doctrine, which, is, which was delivered you. Lord have mercy, I'm glad this is in the past tense. Which was delivered you. Amen. That means it's been prepared already. And it's now time for you to believe it. When God says that that form and that pattern of doctrine which was delivered you, he makes it very clear that you didn't come up with this on your own. This was not some, 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 uh, if you will, subjective uh, uh, dream that came by night. When somehow you may have been uh, listening to uh, uh, someone who says, uh, you know, I, 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 was, I, was, I was in a trance, and, and when I was in that trance, uh, this came to me, and an angel told me about what I should do, and now all y'all should follow after me. That's not how this works. God had already delivered the doctrine. He delivered the teaching. He delivered the pattern. Noah didn't come up with the pattern of the ark in the middle of the night in some dream. God gave it to him. Just like he gave the word of God to the apostles and to the prophets. And they wrote the word of God. Peter made it very clear. He said that the word of God is of no private interpretation. The word they're out actually comes from the Greek text, which means originated. But it's of no private origination. In other words, you can't subjectively come up with your own way to heaven. You can't subjectively come up with your own way of worship. You can't subjectively come up with your own way of saving. This is God's pattern. He says this is the form of doctrine. The pattern of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then, being then what? Being then based on what? That pattern of doctrine, based on that teaching. When Noah was delivered, he was delivered because he accepted the covenant. And when he came out of the ark, the first thing we find Noah doing is worship. And I say to you, and I say to you this morning, that, that when you look at the ark, it may be that you can see that you had it, where it is, and things of the pastor, and you still don't see where you threw it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Because God is able to give you an understanding. And the more understanding you get from God's word, the stronger your spirit becomes. And the stronger your spirit comes, becomes, the more you're able weaknesses of the flesh because your mind becomes stronger. 
you then be able to do what God says in Hebrew, what Paul says in Hebrews chapter 5 in the latter verses. He says, look, when your mind becomes stronger with, by exercise and reason of use, you begin to be able to discern. Discern what? The difference between good and evil. Because your spirit is now strengthened. It's not based on some subjective idea of what you want and what you desire. But it's objective. That's why Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's why Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the roll call of faith. These are individuals that heard the word of God. And in hearing the word of God, their actions manifested what they believed. They had trust in God. That God would deliver on his promises. And so they began to behave accordingly. Back in Romans 6, in verse 18, being then, being then made free from sin, Lord have mercy. So now we know that that form of doctrine, that form of teaching, that covenant that Paul speaks about is able to make us free from sin. I didn't see him mention anything else in here that was able to make us free from sin. But he did say that form of doctrine, that pattern of doctrine, and I know that Paul echoes this with Timothy because he says to Timothy, all scripture, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That means when the prophets wrote, it was because God spoke it. When the apostles preached it, it's because God gave it. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, oh Lord have mercy, there's a question right there, that the man of God, see there's a, amen, the, the question is are you a person of God, I'm just trying to drop it, because if you're not a person of God, you're not, con you're not concerned about righteousness. to get us to understand where we need to be. Romans 15 and 4 is true. Romans 15 and 4 is true. Things are written for a foretime. We're written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. Boy, when you hear the gospel being preached, that's to be giving you some hope that one day heaven can be your home if you're obedient until the end. 
given by the inspiration of God that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, and turn and turn it unto what? Unto all good works. Because when I'm manifesting my physical life based on what I know in my spiritual heart, it should be good. It should be good. Because that's what God created. God created Eve, he said it was, it was very good. It was all good from the beginning. And so God is trying, God has given us his word by, whereby when we strive to keep his word by following after the, 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 the faith that he has once delivered, by following after the truth of his word, that one day if we hold on to the end, we can change our life. And surely after the exiting of the ark, you can see some things where the free will of man and the influences of Satan's free his love was still very present. But nevertheless, God saved him. Because God knew something that we don't know about no. tells you he's a preacher of righteousness. He, give us, he gives us some other descriptions of, of, of Noah's life as a, as a man of God striving to do God's will. Even to the extent based on the comparison of the individuals in that generation that he was in, he was described as a perfect man. But look what he's being compared to. If you're being compared to a low-down scoundrel, it's hard to look perfect. Don't say that out loud. Yeah, but if you're being compared to something that's low down, it's not hard to be looked at as perfect. But nevertheless, thank be to God that in his long suffering and in his mercy, he saves Noah alive. Because what he has done is he has saved alive humanity. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And I don't care what shade you are either. Boy, I wish I had time to deal with that. I don't care what shade you are, because we all came from the same blood. If you, if you believe what the Bible teaches, 
You better believe that. Because we all came from the same blood. We may have, we may have uh, evolved on different parts of the globe where it was hot in some places and cold in others. The body had to adapt. Amen. And so melanin may have rose or, or declined, depending on where you were, to have the body adapt to its environment. But guess what? We are all of one blood. Because the only seven, eight folk, rather, that came out of that ark was Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their four wives. Amen. Amen. That's the only eight that came out. So we all cousins. Oh, y'all didn't know that? Amen. We all cousins. We all related to each other. You, be, you better believe that or you might throw this Bible in the trash can. We all cousins. We all related. We family. Amen. Amen. We used to start treating each other like family. Amen. I remember I used, to, used to go to look. I used to show up at my auntie's house and walk 20 blocks. Show up at auntie's house. Auntie Stell, boy, what you doing over here? Oh, I just thought I'd come by. You hungry? Shoot. <laughs> Only reason why I'm here is to get some of them neck bones. Junior told me you were cooking today. <laughs> we family. We family. All come from the same place. It don't matter what shade you're. God sees his humanity. your brother whom you see every day God's making a point we all family when somebody in the street dies because of someone else's heinous act you have killed your family well I wish more people would know that we family maybe stop killing each other in the street maybe start looking for ways to provide for each other amen take care of one Because we know that we're all family. We all come from one blood. God desires to save us. And we can be saved. But we have to change our life in order that for that to be, to be possible. And God has made it possible because by obeying the gospel and going through the watery grave of baptism, God says that he'll save your soul. You see, life isn't only about life here on this earth. But the more important life is the life after this, which is eternal life. You see, Noah lived a transformed and transitioned life from one existence on the earth to another existence on the earth. But see, that's not the life that we are transitioning from, uh, transitioning to. We are transitioning from a life on the earth to a life that is eternal with Christ Jesus. And so Paul says to us, as I close, 
when he talks about in Romans chapter 6 and he says, look, in verse number 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when we were the servants of sin, I'm glad he put that in the past tense. When we were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? Remember last Sunday we talked about what fruit we should be bearing? Because God told Noah and the seven souls, go forward and be fruitful, right? Well, what fruit should we be bearing? You see, the fruit we should be bearing is Galatians chapter 6, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Because that, that is what God is going to find worthy of heaven's glory. But he said, what fruit had ye then in those things which are aware of now you should be ashamed? For the end of those things is death. If you're still bearing the fruit of the world, and just go to Galatians chapter 6, it, it, it's not hard. Just go, when you want to know, well, what is that fruit, Brother Culpepper? Just think about Galatians chapter 6. And just go down the list. And then when you get to the end of the list and you say, well, Brother Colby, you know, I didn't see my, 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 my particular situation specifically and explicitly listed. See, do you want to get intellectual on me? Right? So God says, you think you're going to outthink me, right? You think you're going to outthink God, right? So God says, you know, I know that there's going to be some intellectual folk in 2022. In Inglewood. And they already turned to Galatians chapter 6, and they try to find their particular situation. And so they've been educated and, you know, went to school and got all the degrees and, and, and all that. And, and they're saying, well, you know, I don't find my particular situation explicitly in Scripture. And so God says, okay, and such like, what are you going to bear? Because now we captured everybody. And then if that's not helpful, just go back to Romans 3 and 23 where he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. While we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. You ain't going to outthink God. God already got this thing locked. He's trying to save our soul. The devil wants you to question, but God wants you to reason. He wants you to understand what the will of the Lord is so that you might be saved. But he goes on and I close. In verse number 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Boy, I wish, you know what? I wish I had time to preach on, but I don't. This idea of holiness. Now, those of you who've been around a while, you know that I, I, I preached on this before because I don't let the devil, look, don't give him one inch when it comes to God's word. We the holiness church. No, you ain't. The church of Christ is the holiness church. Oh, amen. I heard some preaching. You shouldn't say that because that's going to confuse. It ain't going to confuse people. It's going to teach them the truth. We are the holiness church. Ain't no holiness church without the church of Christ. Because that's what we're supposed to become. Don't give the devil no inch. Just because people pervert what holiness means doesn't mean we give it up. It's ours. 
We are to become holiness before God. And that don't mean we run up and down the aisle and talk and babble an idiot. I ain't got time for that. I need to drop that. We've been confused. We've been, you, what you've been doing is you've been letting folk lie so long, people are now confused with what truth is. I'm done. And to the end, it's everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the changed life that we're looking to acquire, it's not to have all of our bling bling and mansions and whatever and money down here. That, that, look, if God blesses you with that, learn how to use it to the glory of God. But if God doesn't bless you with that, don't think you've lost out on something. Because the end is about everlasting life. And if you, can, if you can reach the glory of God and be given the worthiness of having everlasting life, I don't care how much money you had down here or didn't have down here. It doesn't compare to what eternal life is worth and what God has blessed you to achieve. May God bless you. May God keep you. Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God knows what your needs are. He'll provide your needs. He'll provide your needs. Would you confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God? Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We go down in the watery grave of baptism with the blood of Christ, with the blood of the innocent blood of Christ cleanses us from all of our past sins. And let me tell you something, the most wonderful thing that you can have in your life right now as God is contemplating when he's going to send Jesus back for the church is to have the blood of Christ cover you. Because see, when the blood of Christ covers you, it's not your doctrines or weaknesses that God sees. What he sees is your faith. Your faith in Christ Jesus. The perfect lamb of God that had no sin, had no God, but perfect in every way. So the water grave of baptism, as Ephesians 1 and 7 says, we have redemption. We've been purchased with a price, and that is the life of Christ. We have redemption through his blood, even, even the forgiveness of sins. That old man died and is crucified with Christ. That new man arises to walk in the newness of life with a new schema. With a new scheme. We're not done with this lesson. We're done today, but we're not done with the lesson. With a new scheme. That scheme of transition from being subjected to objects to now we're looking to follow after that which God has given us in this house. That's what you do when you go down and walk into baptism. You arise to walk in the newness of life. It doesn't mean you arise and walk perfectly. But your scheme has changed. What you're saying is, Lord, I'm going to strive to be worthy of your blessing. So every day I'm going to try to be better than I was the previous day. I'm going to look for a cousin to love better. Amen. I'm going to stop stabbing my cousin in the back. I'm going to stop running my cousin's name down in the street. Oh, amen. If my cousin's in need, he come to me and ask for something. If I got it, I'm going to share it. 
Ahab my servant. I'm going to love God with all my heart and all my mind and all my strength. That's what I'm saying. And you know, sometimes when I fall, Pictures in the Bible. God knows we're in a hospital. We're trying to get better. And when you're in a hospital trying to get better, sometimes you have a relapse. But thank God, repentance is there. Because you ask God to give you the strength that I might be able to overcome those things that cause me to fall away from time to time. And I keep doing that which is right before God. I strive to do that which is right. And you know who hates that? That's the devil. But the Bible tells you that you're strong. See, the devil doesn't want you to obey the gospel because he knows that once you obey the gospel, you become stronger than him. See, we don't even realize our power. That's why James says, give him not place. Wait a minute. You mean I have a choice now? When you obey the gospel, you are infused by the Holy Spirit of God. And no, we're not talking about some miraculous infusion of God's Spirit. What we're talking about is the baptismal measure. The baptismal measure of faith. Acts 5 32 said, God gives his spirit to all those that may obey him. Oh, amen. And Romans chapter 8 says, If you have not the spirit of God, you are none of his. So don't tell me we don't have the spirit. But the spirit doesn't control us. But it is a source of strength. Because when I need prayer, I'm going to God and praying. Well, who am I praying through? I'm praying through the spirit. Whoever says, my need is. And he strengthens me. So I know I, I, we have the spirit of God by faith. He dwells within us. And when you have that spirit of God, the devil knows that when you obey the gospel, you become stronger. You have the resources to overcome the influences that he left behind in the world. That's why he doesn't want old people to obey the gospel. Because he knows when you do, that's a soul that's at risk of him losing. Because that soul can be faithful unto death as revelations 2 and 10 says and if it's faithful unto death it'll receive a crown of life that faded not away water of grave of baptism is waiting for you to change your life to change your life change your scheme it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh but it's an answer of a good conscience toward God change your scheme be like Noah God added to the church daily those that are being saved, such that should be saved. What were they doing? They were being baptized. For what? For the remission of their sins. So that they can arise and walk in the newness of life. And why don't you come right now? Take advantage of what God has blessed you to have, have before you. Do it right now before it's everlasting. Turn too late as we stand and sing the invitational song. Why don't you come? Somebody's knocking at your door. Somebody's knocking at your door. And oh, why don't you answer? Why don't you answer? Knocking at your door. Save you, 
somebody's knocking at your door. He can save you. He can save you. Save you. Somebody's knocking at your door. Why don't you answer? Why don't you answer? At your door. Jesus is knocking. Jesus is knocking. Knocks like Jesus, somebody knocking at the door. Oh, oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Will you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Will you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Oh, oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door.